Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the LB Fee Show, where we are still wiping the Henderson, Nevada out of our eyes after a long and exciting <laughs> weekend at the Big West Basketball Championships. I am JJ Fiddler. He's Mike Adabasio. We're the 562.org. And uh, we love doing this show, Mike. It, it was a great week, and we got a lot coming up on this show. Yeah, for sure. You definitely want to stick around for what was a really fun interview with Charlie Vernoy of the Long Beach State track and field team was just uh, earned all American honors at the NCAA indoor track and field championships in the uh, weight throw finished 13th in the nation there and a very bright spring ahead for Charlie as well as the rest of the Long Beach State track team. But before we get to that interview, we've got to bring on a guy who's uh, kind of probably feeling himself a little bit. Am I right? Andy Fee, Long Beach State Athletic Director. How are you feeling? Things are going nice. Things are going good at the beach. (laughs) Life is good at the beach. Life is always good at the beach, though. But uh, yeah, we've had a lot of great stuff happening. And uh, this past week was uh, was crazy, but lots of uh, lots of uh, positivity that's where we're at right now so yeah it was a great tournament at dollar loan center in henderson nevada obviously we can talk about that we can talk about the disappointing loss in the championship game for the men's basketball team but it's march there was some madness and i gotta tell you andy one of my favorite moments of the entire weekend was the video that long beach state athletics put out on twitter of you coming into the men's locker room after Jadon jones game winning three-pointer i don't know what you were standing on but you were standing on something screaming game time as loud as you possibly could it was awesome andy well you know the the locker room we were in that day was so small and obviously we had won so i opened the door and it's just a sea of humanity like shoulder to shoulder and they're going crazy so i'm like in the moment and i was gonna try and walk like there's a bench so i was trying to get up on the bench so i could like walk into the room like kind of get around the side and then somebody just started yelling at me and i was just like forget it i'm just gonna lose my my mind right now but uh, that was pretty special. One of my favorite memories so far at the beach. Um, what a great group. You know, yeah, we came up short in that championship game. But I think that team proved to a lot of people out there, a lot of doubters, um, what they're capable of. And as we kept saying, we're still playing basketball. There's only 100 teams that uh, that are playing basketball, or I should say not paying to play. There's some teams that are paying to play. But um, you know, there's 68 in the NCAA, 32 in the NIT, and uh, we're one of those 32. Is well, that but- where you kind of see the program right now? The men's basketball program is kind of one of the things that, on campus that you want to be uh, in the upper echelon uh, of the nation. Because obviously uh, this season, improbable to say the least, picked to finish eighth in the conference and then walk into that tournament as the top seed. So, you know, kind of looking towards the future, what do you think the health of this program is? A lot of great senior leadership that's going to have to be replaced. Yeah, those those seniors were pretty amazing. They had been here through some lean times, and then their senior year helped guide this program uh, to one of its best seasons in quite a while. So we're, we're going to miss them. Um, but, you know, there's a great group, a young group, who's uh, kind of, uh, I'm going to call them middle-aged now. They've, they've been through... Uh, you know, a a three-game run at the conference championship. So they know what it takes. We came up a little short this year, but I think this group will definitely learn from it. So we've got some great returners. Uh, You know, Coach Munson's got some some really good talent coming in. I think people are going to be really excited by the recruits that are coming in. And yeah, we want both our basketball programs. You know, the women had a rough week. 
but as evidenced by the at-large selection to the WNIT, they had a great body of work, 19 and eight on the year, nine and one to start the year. So I think both programs are, are you know, getting back to where we all want them to be, which is competing for championships. And you know, I get the question a lot, like, is it basketball, is it volleyball? I don't look at it as though it's mutually exclusive. Like, you know, we, we don't have to choose and just go, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I refuse to believe that. Um, I want to be champions on the basketball court. I want to be champions on the volleyball court, on the softball diamond, out on the track. Um, I'm not going to acknowledge that there's no way that we can't be a very broad based program. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of programs going really well right now. And it's great to say men's and women's basketball right there. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, certainly uh, I, I mentioned up top, you know, a nice time to be the Long Beach State Athletic Director. The Dirtbags just won a series against number 15 Gonzaga uh, at uh, Bull Diamond at Blair Field. Men's volleyball team, number three in the country. Uh, both men's and women's basketball team playing in postseason games this week in the NIT with the women traveling to Oregon State, who they famously almost were the first 15 to upset a two seed. They were one shot short. Um, I want to say five years ago, right around, and then the men's basketball team going to BYU. Um, definitely interested to see how those games go. That Oregon State team is just a little bit over 500, and, uh, you know, you just never know with the NIT. The Long Beach State might go out there and want that game 10 times more than Oregon State does. You just really don't know until tip. So very excited to follow along with both of those games, which you can do at the562.org. Uh, and we also had uh, a writer uh, in Henderson. JJ was out there with the basketball teams. Um, JJ, what did what, what did you, what did you think? First of all, what did you think of the Henderson trip? And uh, and are, are you happy to be back in Long Beach after the stay in Henderson? Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Wishing uh, wishing Saturday had gone differently, as all uh, Beach Nation is. But I will say, and I think uh, I talked to Roger Kirk about this. Producer Roger, uh, for those of you who are listening every other week, uh, we talked a little bit about the atmosphere at Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. It's brand new, so the the, the sound system's great, the lighting's great. You know what I mean? It's got that new arena smell. Um, but you know, I, I had always complained that the Honda Center was too big for right. the Big West basketball tournament. It just didn't look good. You could you could put as many people as had ever been to a Big West basketball tournament in Honda Center, and it still yeah. would have looked empty. Right. Obviously, people buying tickets to the Big West Conference Tournament in Henderson this weekend. If you were doing that, if you're planning a trip, you would have been doing it probably in late December. And that was that was a, a shaky time, right? Not a lot of travel plans yeah. being made in late December this yeah, year. Not, you know? not a lot of people uh, wanting to go to Nevada at that point. And you still had what uh, producer Roger, myself, I know Andy thought so too. You still had a great atmosphere in that building. I, I tweeted it during the game. What that crowd lacked in numbers it more than made up in noise. Like it was loud in there. It looked Saturday. good on TV too. It looked a lot better on TV than the Honda center. Just to be, you know, I, I, I watched, I watched it on ESPN and it definitely, I, I think that that arena is so important because if you have a crowd that fills the pyramid, for example, that's a great crowd in the pyramid or in the dollar loan center. Um, and if you have a crowd that would fill the pyramid in the Honda center, it's a third empty <laughs> you right. know, and it doesn't look, doesn't look good on TV. Like it's all about that right fit. So I'm uh, glad to hear that one. Well, Andy, I, oh, would, I, I would also like to re reiterate once again, I will die on this hill. There should be quarterfinal home site games on Wednesday night. I love going to the thing for three games or three nights. It's awesome. Yeah. I get it, whatever. But these student bodies who are decently far from Henderson, Nevada, Las Vegas, or anywhere outside California for that matter, they deserve 
the March Madness moments that you and I got, Mike, when, you know, right. when we were able to go to the ACC and, and run on the floor after that championship in, uh, in 07. So yeah. those things are important and they make the program stronger, which would then obviously make the conference stronger. Quarterfinals, Wednesday nights, home sites. I'm here for it. That's JJ's pet issue, Andy. My pet issue whenever Long Beach State wins the regular season is, what are we doing this stupid tournament for? Let's <laughs> take the regular season champion into the NCAA tournament. What's the problem? We already, we already won it. Why do we have to win it again the next week? What's, what's going on? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was, well, in the pandemic year in 20, Irvine was the regular season champ. They canceled right. the, the tournament, but they actually still got up on a ladder and cut the nets down uh, on Wednesday. So uh, very odd, but great experience. And, I, you know, I really think between probably Hawaii and us, and I think maybe we got the edge, probably had the most fans there. I know our commissioner, Dan Butterly, um, countless times talked about what we were doing. You know, we hosted pregame events every single night. I love uh, that you guys were doing that. Yeah. Love nobody that. else was doing that. Nobody else was doing that. You know, our band was rocking. Some of the schools didn't even bring their band or cheer. Um, so, you know, that's something we have to work on um, moving forward um, is that commitment from from every school uh, to put in and do the things that make it a great tournament that that, you know, JJ and, and you were talking about with those memories in 07. So I think we're going to get there. You know, I was at University of San Diego the, the first year that they went from hosting on campuses to going to the Orleans in Vegas. And that first year was a little dodgy. You know, some people were like, is this going to work? What's it going to be like? And word of mouth, you know, it just kept growing year after year because it's a really great atmosphere. I mean, you can go watch Mountain West, Pac-12, WCC. Uh, I mean, if you love hoops, Vegas in March is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so at, first of all, super excited to see the, the uh, postseason games this week for the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team. But um, we mentioned uh, the Dirtbags beat Gonzaga back at Bull Diamond at Blair Field. A little bit of a scramble as uh, we had uh, a traditional pre-2020 cancellation uh, for the Dirtbags. <laughs> you know, just the, the world being frozen in Nebraska. Um, so great move by Andy, by you and, and uh, by EV to scramble and put that series together. But how do you do that? How do you go from finding out the series is canceled at the beginning of the week to getting a top 15 team in the country to, to come to you later in the week? You, you have a great head coach who knows a lot of people. Like, <laughs> how <do you> do? <laughs> Without a doubt. And uh, the credit really goes to, to Coach Valenzuela. Um, but he and I huddled immediately when Nebraska started getting a little antsy about, well, we're not going to be able to play. Maybe we're going to be able to play. I mean, we offered to play Sunday, Monday, doubleheader Sunday. I mean, we were offering all kinds of, of crazy stuff. Um, you know, one of the, the, the deals, you know, we have a contract with them and for them to cancel on us was a $20,000 penalty to Nebraska. So what we did was take the penalty and uh, applied that to get Gonzaga down here. So we helped with some hotels and part of the flight. Um, and luckily Gonzaga was supposed to play at Missouri and obviously Missouri, not too far from Nebraska. Um, had some issues and they were in Missouri basically told Gonzaga, if you can get another series, we'll, we'll let you out and go get it. So, you know, coach Valenzuela was just scouring schedules to see who had either a bye week or maybe a team that was in a weather situation like us. And uh, there were a couple of teams on the board 
But when the opportunity came to get a ranked team to come down to Bull Diamond at Blair Field, it was a no-brainer. And I think it was a great series. We did not want to go a weekend without games. And uh, coach came through and the team came through and took two of three versus 15th ranked Gonzaga. And, uh, you know, the story worked out for us, but it was a hectic week uh, for the dirtbags. A great win for the weekend, though. I mean, that is a massive, massive series win for that team. Not only just, a, you know, record wise and all that stuff, but confidence, momentum. All of a sudden, it's Big West Conference schedule time. Hawaii is coming to Bull Diamond to Blair Field this weekend to start that conference schedule. Now that there's extra teams, they have to start that schedule a little bit earlier. So uh, they matter. They matter a lot right now for that Dirtbags team, and they're a fun group. So uh, make sure you get out there and see them. We've also got a bunch of Long Beach State news every week in the Grunning Gazette. If you live near Belmont Shore, 2nd Street in that area, you know the Grunning Gazette has been giving you your community news for decades. And 562.org is providing all of that sports coverage that you read in the Grunning Gazette. So every Thursday, you pick that thing up. You take five minutes, and you're going to know everything you need to know about what's going on with Long Beach State Athletics. We now bring on our special guest for the week, student athlete extraordinaire, Charlie Vernoy. How you doing, Charlie? Thanks so much for taking the time and joining us, man. Doing awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. This is a very, very cool experience. Well, first and foremost, as we always say, congratulations on your recent success. You, you don't get on this show without having some success. So it's pretty cool what you were able to pull off there at Provo, Utah. Uh, were, were you surprised by your performance? I mean, is this kind of coming out of nowhere? Um, people have been asking me that, They're, you know, how did that throw feel? You know, did you know that was the one? And um, I think they're a little disappointed by the answer because I think I, I know I can throw further. So I wasn't, you know, ecstatic okay. with, that, with that performance um, because there's a lot more there. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a, a bittersweet competition, but I did the job. You know, we, we did what we wanted to do when we went there um, and it, it was enough to to make it to the big show. So that was kind of the main takeaway from that competition. And, and you know, I couldn't be more pleased with it. Was this a big goal of yours uh, to, to reach this level and, and be able to go to a national competition? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been a goal of mine. Um, not necessarily in this event though. Um, yeah. So the weight throw is something that we don't do, um, very often in our season. So our indoor season is, is relatively short compared to our outdoor season. Um, so to make it in not only an event that I don't necessarily consider my specialty, but also in a shorter season where we don't get as many chances to compete, um, is, is super special to me. So I, I'm, you know, it's really, really cool. I think a lot of, uh, you know, basic sports fans, to, to use a basic term, are thinking when they hear the word weight throw that you're just like throwing a giant barbell. Can, can you, can you, can you uh, clear up what the actual sport is? <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so it's a very niche sport, um, but basically you have the outdoor hammer, which is a 16 pound ball on about a three foot wire and has a little handle handle on it. So you spin around, you let it go. Um, the weight throws the exact same thing, but it's much, much shorter, probably about half the length. Um, and it's 35 pounds. So quite a bit heavier as well. Um, but technique is very, very similar. Um, a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit harder on the body because of the weight as well. But um, yeah. What's your favorite thing to throw? I mean, obviously competition wise, not like at home. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've always really considered myself a discus thrower. 
Um, so coming out of high school, that was kind of my event and I've made it to um, the regional meet outdoors in discus for the past two years, um, but I've never really qualified for, you know, NCAA championships in the discus. So it's kind of, it's funny that I, I you know, ended up qualifying in an event that I never really expected to, um, but, you know, I'm going to take it all the same. <laughs> Were you an athlete in high school playing other sports and stuff? And then you found your way to the thrower's pit or were you already there? Um, yeah, kind of a funny story. So I was um, originally played basketball and football. Um, I played a lot of other sports in my younger days, but um, high school was, was primarily basketball, football. Um, and I was sitting in my health class and my health um, teacher at the time was also the head track and field coach. Um, so he saw me, you know, freshman, I was, you know, pretty lanky, pretty skinny, but he could tell, you know, I, I was pretty tall as well. So, you know, six, one, six, two, something like that. Um, so for a freshman in high school, you know, I had good size. Um, and he's like, Hey, have you ever, you know, considered throwing? And uh, the first thing I said was, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I did, was, had zero knowledge on the sport. was really, really unfamiliar with it. Um, but you know, my, my parents definitely taught me to give a lot of sports a chance, you know, I grew up playing roller hockey, soccer, volleyball, basketball, all these different things. So I said, you know what, why not? Let's, you know, let's give this thing a chance. And obviously it was a really good decision. Yeah. It's, it's a one of a kind experience, right. To, to do something like that. It's not like you can just go to the backyard and practice it. Is, does that make it more difficult that the practices have to be specific and at a place and safe, like, you know what I mean? I can go out and shoot hoops. There's no chance of me breaking somebody else's face with a basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big, um, a really big difference between a lot of sports is you need to have the facilities to actually hold the events as well. So having the practice facilities is huge. Having um, a coach to actually coach the event also is, is really big, especially at the high school level. Um, it's not the most common thing to see uh, a really, you know, a really good high school throws coach because it's just, it's very rare in, in that sport. Um, most of the good throws coaches are obviously, you know, high or, uh, college and beyond. Um, so yeah, that, that's one thing that makes it a little bit more special too. It's, it's uh, a lot goes into the sport for sure. Did it come naturally to you or, or were you like Bambi out there trying to stay on your feet? <laughs> um. I would say I was very middle of the road um, coming out of high school. So my senior year, I threw, I was, um, we only do shot put and discus in high school. So I, I threw like 172 feet in the discus, which was pretty solid. Um, but my graduating year, there were guys throwing, you know, 180, 190, 200 feet, right? So really, really good guys. So I never saw myself as that elite athlete in high school. Um, but coming into college, I definitely transferred really, really well, um, and kind of found a really good training group, a really, really good coach, um, that I meshed with really, meshed with really well. Um, and it, you know, it fostered a lot of really good things. Yeah. You had a great junior year in 2019 talking about training with that group. You were with that group. You get, uh, you know, academic honors as well. You're doing it in the classroom, uh, and on the athletic field. Uh, and then 2020. And COVID hits, and we were just talking about how interesting this sport is, is that you can't just go to the backyard and do it. So how did you yeah. stay thrower mentality through the pandemic? Man, yeah, that was a really, really um, interesting transition. Coming off a really, really big year, like you're saying, um, 
really, really big PR in the discus, threw really, really well, conference champion, you know, the team won a conference championship as well. So it was, it was really, really good. Um, so going into that pandemic year was a lot of adjustment. Um, we didn't have ideal training situations. So um, we actually purchased a lot of um, lifting and weight training equipment for our garage. So we um, have, you know, a squat rack, a barbell, some plates in there that we used a lot. Um, we ended up having to throw, what is that field called? Right by LBCC, there's like an open field. Um, I think it's called Chittick Field, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and they actually have a discus ring out there. Um, and so we had to kind of find the right times to where there wasn't, you know, very many people out there. Um, we had to bring a broom with us in case it was, you know, there was water or dust or something in there, bring yeah. some towel. Um, so we kind of had to be very, very self-sufficient and, and, you know, I was lucky to have some roommates and teammates of mine that we would still train with. Um, but a lot of people were home if they're not from the, from the area. So it was, it was a big hit, but we kind of, I think it showed a lot of, a lot of toughness for our team to actually get through it and, and still come out with a decent season in 2020 as well. In terms of a mental approach to something like this, are you, are you listening to, uh, I don't know, like Pantera before and just getting like completely jacked up and ready to throw this thing? Or do you try to kind of come to a mental center and calm before you're, before you uh, compete? Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, everybody's different. So within the sport, there's a lot of different thought processes on that. Um, and it's different for each event as well. Um, personally, I'm not the most, um, amped, you know, outgoing kind of guy. So I, I like to kind of center myself. I take a lot of deep breaths before I do any sort of throwing movements to kind of um, really focus up, really get get my head ready for that, um, that throw. Um, but then you have, you know, other teammates of mine who will walk up to the ring and then just yell as loud as they can, right? So um, there's, there's a few different ways that people get the energy, um, a few different ways people get hyped up for the throw. But um, a lot of times in my experience, if if I get too much energy and too excited for it, I'll kind of rush things and then it's not as technically good. So um, trying to find that is, is always, um, it's always tough sometimes, but. Do, do you listen to music before you compete? Um, generally, no, not really. I, I try to really focus on how I'm feeling and how, how like, I don't like to distract myself from the moment too much. So um, I try to kind of take everything in, um, make sure I'm, I'm present um, for that competition, so. I mentioned the academic award a little bit earlier and uh, you guys are, you're majoring in kinesiology, right? A lot of track stars are majoring in kinesiology. What, what do you want to do with that? How did you find yourself there? How are you doing in the classroom? Um, yeah, really good. So I, I came into uh, my undergrad wanting to study computer science and um, very, very quickly learned that that was not for me. Yeah. Sitting at a desk for that long, I, I couldn't <laughs> do it. It's, you know, it's antsy. You wanted to get up and move. Well, so. Let me, yeah, let, let me guess. You wanted to throw the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very close a few times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kinesiology really um, fit my personality type really, really well. Um, especially the fitness um, emphasis on my degree. Um, so yeah, I ended up, I graduated last spring with my degree in kinesiology. Um, and then, so I'm in grad school now um, with an emphasis on coaching and athlete development. So the end goal is um, obviously coach at some capacity, um, track and field, specifically the throws, because that's, you know, what I know best. Um, and then teach as well. So I'm teaching a few different activity courses at Long Beach State as well. Um, just one unit weight training courses, but um, 
through that, I found, you know, a, a kind of a new passion of mine that I really like to kind of convey a lot of knowledge and, and help these, you know, I guess some of them are younger, but, um, you know, some of them are the same age as me, but imparting a little bit of knowledge that they may not have already um, is really, really rewarding. There, we meet a lot of athletes that I, I feel like there's two types, right? The people who didn't get good coaching who want to get into coaching and the people who got great coaching and want to get into coaching. Wh which one are you? I had absolutely amazing, probably the best coaching ever. <laughs> so my high school coach um, was Ramona Pagel. Um, so if you're from the throwing world, you, you probably know that name. She was the American record holder in the shot put for a number of years, um, four-time Olympian in the shot put. Wow. Um, all around amazing, amazing, yeah, thrower. So having her um, in high school was huge, right? Really, 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 really big. She taught me a lot of not only how to throw, but how to mentally approach the sport, um, how to train, what that kind of mindset and mentality is to actually be good um, at the elite level. So definitely owe her a lot for, for a lot of my success. It sounds like you had a lot of good influences in your life. Is there anybody else who, who really helped you uh, excel both, you know, on and off the field? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, probably one of my biggest influences was, was uh, along with Ramona um, in high school, we had um, normally they'll structure it to where there's a JV team and a varsity team. So as a freshman, I was on the varsity or not the varsity junior varsity throw squad. Um, so that coach was different from Ramona and his name was coach Harrison. Um, so he was probably the first person to actually give me a little, uh, kick in the butt in terms of like, Hey, you could be really good at this if you get a chance. Right. Um, and he was really, really gruff personality. Um, really, really awesome guy. Um, unfortunately he did end up passing away from cancer not too long ago. So that was tough, but I try to carry a lot of the lessons that he taught me through throwing and just being a person, being a good person. Um, and yeah, everything he taught me was invaluable. So you are headed to the NCAA Indoor Championships. It's going to be in Texas, College Station. You're leaving pretty soon though, right? Yeah. So I think they, the venue is actually going to be in Alabama. So they, oh, oh, uh, okay. yeah, I think they, they updated that. Um, so it's going to be in Birmingham, Alabama at, uh, what is it? Some crossplex. I don't think it's actually going to be at the University of Alabama because um, I don't know if they have an indoor facility. Um, but yeah, we leave Tuesday afternoon. It's going to be um, quite a trek uh, across the country. So uh, I'm super excited for it. Um, luckily, the administration and the coaching staff is working to make this trip as comfortable as possible. So we're leaving out um, Tuesday. We have Wednesday to adjust, get a little bit of training in. Um, Thursday also to you know further adjust, uh, make sure we have all the things that we need set up. Um, and then we compete Friday. Um, you know, hopefully body's ready, uh, mind is ready, and it should be a lot of fun. Well, Charlie, it's great to see you succeed like this. It's also great to see just a, a student athlete excelling at Long Beach State. So congratulations on all your success again, man. And uh, go throw it real far, dude. <laughs> Definitely. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, and as always, go beach. <laughs> Thank you and congratulations once again to Charlie for his great performance over the weekend, taking time before he left to talk to us about, uh, about a little bit of everything, which was cool. So, Andy. It is now time for our outro. It is now time for something completely different. And it was hard not to be thinking about road trips over the weekend. The ones that uh, myself, 
uh, and Mike and a bunch of guys have taken for Long Beach sports, specifically Long Beach State sports. We drove to Ohio one time. We drove to Portland in the middle of the night another time. So we've been around. You certainly have too. You're on a bus with the team as they went out to Henderson, Nevada for that tournament. What is something on a road trip that Andy Fee absolutely has to have? What do I have to have? So, uh, you know, usually, well, not, not always, but usually it is with a team. And, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, you get into the superstitions uh, and I am superstitious. And so when I go on road trips uh, with teams, it's usually shoes and uh, my kicks, I believe, I, I don't want to say which ones, but I've, I've got some lucky kicks, I believe that um, more often than not relate to wins. Uh, that's oh. what I believe. So for me, on this is a feature game, idea. Oh, you shouldn't have told me this. I'm going to be like a dog getting this information out of you. <laughs> so it is, uh, some kicks that are, uh, my lucky kicks. And, um, like I said, more often than not, when I feel that I, we, we gotta have, gotta have it. Um, you know, they come through more often than not, not every time, but I, 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 if I leave them at home, then I'm, I'm nervous and I'm not feeling good. So I have to bring them with me. That, that's good. Mike, your road trips have really changed. Huh? Pre-kids road trips and post-kids road trips are apples and oranges. I'm a big road trip aficionado, as JJ knows. And JJ and I have been like all over the western part of the United States uh, on road trips covering Long Beach sports teams. Uh, but my wife and I, for our anniversary, took like a 12,000 mile road trip around the country, did a big figure eight and saw pretty much everything. Uh, very different uh, pre-kids and post-kids. Although since you guys gave a uh, sock mic to my daughter, uh, Maya, she does bring sock mic on road trips. So that's familiar to you, JJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Post kids, the number one thing I have to have on a road trip is uh, I got to make sure the kids go to the bathroom before we leave <laughs> the gas station or wherever we're at. Because uh, I'm, I'm a long haul road tripper. I do not like stopping. My wife likes to stop and look at different things. I want to get in the car and set a record for how far I drive before I stop the car. So uh, that's that actually would be my number one. And I could name all kinds of horrible for me, other candy and snacks and stuff. But uh, the, the bathroom trip as a dad is definitely at the top of the list. <laughs> Those were some great trips and some great advice from Sock Mike back in the yeah. day. <laughs> I, I would I would definitely say a podcast because that's I, I very rarely listen to music when I'm driving. I love listening to long conversations, long form conversations. Uh, but most of all, and this is throughout my life because my mom taught me, it's sunflower seeds, man. Ooh, yeah. Crack the crack the window, get get in get into that bag, <laughs> put in some work. You know, make sure you get some water so your tongue doesn't split open. But uh, it, it's as if your brain is like, hey, we're actually doing something. And time seems to go faster. So sunflower seeds would be mine. The dill ones, by the way, not the regular. Ooh, big ones. time call there. Yeah. yeah. The dill ones. I love it. Right. Um, okay. I think that is that it for, for this episode. We'll be back in two more weeks. Uh, shout out to the Los Altos uh, Cubs at the uh, El Dorado Park. Uh, Vinny, my son, and his team are, they're 1 0 on the season. And he caved the side in his first inning. Well, yeah. Baseball. So. Vinny, Vinny's a good baseball player, Andy. You got to get EV out there. Yeah. To see I love it. Do we, do we have a verbal commit? Is that what I heard? <laughs> Oh man, you know, you're, you're, you guys at the moment, it's like the only school we could afford anyway. Like I can't, you know, like I, I need, I need, I need that college promise as a father, trust me, like I got 10 years to plan and the college promises that's, that's what's in the, uh, the, the figure book for us. So <laughs> verbal commitment stamps right away. <laughs> Love it. 
Well, that is a, that's a big episode for a big week at Long Beach State. Thank you so much to producer Roger and Andy for having us. Love hosting this show. Beach Nation, we are going to see you in the stands very soon. Take care.